Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Raptor Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Bassetti. Uh, joined with me today is Trey Flynn from Nothing or Bullets Forever, I'm sorry, from SB Nation site covering the Washington Wizards. Trey, how are you doing today? Great, how are you doing? Oh, not too bad. Ready to finally watch some playoff basketball instead of, you know, the regular season of fields drags on about two weeks too long, so it's nice to actually get into the playoffs. Oh, yeah, there was a rough patch there for a while, so I'm glad we're finally getting in. Yeah, and if you watch the West, where at least every there's some teams fighting for playoff spots, I get it, but in the Eastern Conference where the eight, seed, or the eight spots at least have been wrapped up, at least there's some seeding going on until the end of the season, but it just feels like the season's a hair too long, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, tanking is kind of just, you know, I mean, it's a different story. We're probably not going to get into it, but tanking just kind of made the season so uh, hard to watch sometimes. So <laughs> Yeah, especially those double tank games where you'd see the like Dallas face off against the Suns. There's Alex Lynn and Dwight Powell are probably the two best <laughs> respective players on each team. Yeah, exactly. That's never fun. Um, but Trey, we brought you on here to talk today about the Washington Wizards and the playoff matchup they have with the Toronto Raptors. First of all, I just kind of want to get your overall sense on how you expect the series to go and what are your expectations for the Wizards? Oof. Um, well, I would say I live outside of Washington. I would say, you know, the fans I've talked to and uh, my Slack messages and blowing up for my Wizards guys at SB Nation, they're kind of just a little depressed right now. Um, we think pretty highly of the Raptors, and I think that they, uh, I think we think at large that Toronto's coming for blood since that 2014 15 playoff series. Um, so we're a little bit worried right now. Um, especially with the John Wall not playing last night in Orlando, and we pretty much just lost to a bunch of uh, G League players. No offense to them, they played their heart out, but uh, it's just a uh, we're, we're a little sad right now. We're trying to pick it up. Right, and I'm sure a lot of Raptors fans don't obviously follow the Wizards as closely. I don't I don't know if they're aware kind of the slide that the Wizards have taken over the past I would say month or so, and some of that has to do with the John Wall injury. But um, could you catch fans up on? what has been going on with the Raptors maybe this past month leading into the playoffs? Yeah, sure. So pretty much we, we have a point guard uh, named Tom, Tomas Sanarenski who's 
who was pretty much our starting point guard the past uh, month and a half, who's been playing extremely well for us. And we were on a good winning streak. Uh, I think at, around like a, there was a 20 game stretch. Where we were about 14 and six with Tomas playing for us. And he was shooting about 45% from the clip and he was looking really good. And we had some good lineups in there and our depth looked nice. And um, when John came back, it was a little bit of a headache. Um, Marcelon Gortat and him have had some drama over the past few weeks, uh, as well as, um, Bradley Beal and John Wall, they've just, you know, not seen eye to eye, the team at large with John Wall in the locker room. So there's just been a lot of interior drama that maybe the NBA doesn't really, uh, the NBA has been fetching for quotes about, but pretty much they've tried to keep it inside. But Marcin Gortat has been in a lot of interviews lately, um, you know, really telling everybody how he feels. And it, it's pretty obvious that him and John Wall don't get along too, too well. So our, our, our trajectory was, uh, going pretty high there when John was out, and um, I'm not sure what that says about us as a whole, as a franchise, but when he got back, um, we looked a little iffy, and I think at the end of games in the past two weeks, we've seen John Wall kind of do that hero ball last two minutes of a game, which no Washington Wizards fan really wants to see, um, even though we do love John. It's just tough to see that hero ball at the end of games when we've had such great team play with guys like Tomas um, and Bradley Beal and Otto and Markeith and even Marson at, at times. Um, so it's just a, a little bit, we're a little bit confused right now, especially with not playing Otto and John Wall last night. We would like to see John Wall get some minutes just because he just came back about a, a week and a half ago from his horrible injury. So, Well, and some of the struggles, if I'm not correct, you can correct me, but started to happen towards the end, right before Wall came back, correct? Isn't, didn't things yeah. start to turn actually a little bit before he got there? Yeah, well, we've been having some just uh, – big man issues and we, we had a good stretch like I was saying before with Tomas and Bradley Beal and then we hit some issues where guys were trying uh teams are starting to figure out that we didn't really have a huge uh bench and a lot of depth and so they're really attacking our our first five and then um down the stretch uh, just teams are figuring it out we kind of had an easy schedule in December January so throughout um February and March it's just been kind of rough even before the John Wall so that's correct and for I think Sam Sadoransky Yes, it's obviously great to have John Wall back, and if you're someone who does the Are They Better Without John Wall, then you're probably someone totally respect. Um, but Sadoransky, I think him emerging as a backup point guard will be huge for them because he kind of came into his own with Wall out, and in that kind of increased role, he kind of exploded, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, of course. He's almost turned into, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but kind of like that T.J. McConnell role that I think that Washington really wanted from a backup point guard where Philadelphia loves them some T.J. McConnell. So mm-hmm. we kind of wanted that our own T.J. McConnell in a way. So Tomas Sarancy has really given us the opportunity to kind of get some help off the bench. And even if John Wall goes down because he has had injury problems in the past, or even Bradley Beal for that matter, because Tomas is about six 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 seven, So he can play the one or two spot or even the three at times to switch. Um he, he's been a lot of help for us. And, and that's why Wizards fans at whole, we were really kind of hoping we'd uh, pick up a big man the last couple of weeks of the season or even near the trade de- deadline. But I don't know if you saw today, but we just picked up Ty Lawson. So that was a little bit confusing for Wizards fans at, uh, as a whole. Yeah, I did see that. It, I was kind of surprised by that and kind of confused by it as well. Um, yeah, I would agree with you on the TJ McConnell um, comparison He's a little bit better of a shooter than TJ McConnell, which I think is great for you guys. I right. guess I wasn't aware he was six six, um, so that is helpful. Yeah, he can kind of play both those one and two positions for you guys then, and he doesn't feel as he doesn't fill only as Wall's backup. 
Right. Yeah. And we also have Tim Frazier as a backup point guard. And obviously Tim Frazier, for if people who don't, who aren't, um, who are listening, you don't know, Tim Frazier was a point guard for the Pelicans for the past few years. And he did very well for them at times, um, really showing what he could, it was capable of doing. And so he's actually shown some signs of, um, production for us this year. So it was just a surprising signing today, but overall Tomas has really filled in really well and we're excited to see what he can do against Toronto. But, um, Going off your guys' uh, backcourt with DeLon Wright and Fred VanVleet, if Fred comes back healthy in this next game, mm-hmm. uh, we're still a little nervous about that. So Yeah, and I think that's where you'll see, at least in my opinion, the biggest disparity between these two teams is the depth where you have, I mean, Sadoransky's a nice player, and Mike Scott is kind of, he's one of, I think I like him more than he's functionally good. Like, I love watching him play. He's got a funky game, but he's not by any means prolific player and Kelly Uber Jr. is actually a pretty good stud. Yeah, I mean, uh, the guy I like for you, I agree with your points about Mike Scott. It kind of feels like he's uh, the filler. He, um, you probably relate to this. He kind of reminds me a little bit of a James Johnson type player. Yeah, um, yeah, where he's, way he's kind of like he's a non-conventional player that I find myself drawn to where right. he does have limitations, but you still can enjoy all the things that he does. Exactly, and we, we do like having that, especially off the bench. If that was in starting lineup, it would be a different conversation, but off the bench it is helpful. It gives us a different look. But um, as for Oubre, uh, yeah, he definitely gives us a spark plug off the bench, kind of like uh, when C.J. Miles comes off the bench sometimes for Toronto. That kind of helps you guys out a lot too. Um, but speaking of stretch wings, uh, what are your thoughts on OG? I haven't really got a lot of um, – had to – watch a lot of film on him this year but um a lot of my wizards guys been talking we we have we're trying to catch up on og's play this year so he's someone who's one he's a he's great on defense even as a rookie um a lot of guys that are talented as rookies still aren't great defenders just because of mindset and or knowing where to be and awareness and rotations and everything like that he's a plus defender right away which i think it can't be understated um, he knows what he's doing. He's got a monster wing. Can really match up threes and fours. He doesn't play a lot of power forward, but I, I think he's very capable in guarding power forwards. Um, offensively, he was shooting great to start the year, and he's really fallen off since about January. Hmm. Um, particularly on his corner threes, um, he was never really good at above the break, but his corner threes have gone pretty much downhill. Um, he's still, like I said, great defensively, and he crashes the board. It's hard. Um, he's someone that I could see the playoffs kind of overwhelming him at this point, um, just because his game is pretty flawed as a rookie. But he's someone that I think the physical skill set excites you down the road. Right, that makes sense. I mean, I've watched some clips against him. I know I watched him against James Harden earlier this season. We played defense against Harden really well. Um, but. He seems like the only, uh, you know, the negative, the only clog I can find in the starting lineup for Toronto right now. I mean, obviously Kyle Lowry has been historically great um, in the regular season, and then DeMar DeRozan's having an MVP season, and Serge Ibaka, you know, is a veteran, and Jonas has a lot to prove, but he's still, you know, a young center in this league. People forget that. But OG seems like the only, um, you know, not a flaw, but the only thing that sticks out in that starting lineup. Yeah, no, I totally understand. He's definitely the area where the help comes off of. If it will be interesting how Washington matches up, if they're tempted to just move Otto Porter off him, like I don't, under, or I guess I don't see the point of putting Otto Porter Jr. on a guy who chills in the corner for a lot of the game. I would probably swap Otto and put him on. Right, and that's the thing. Um, I was thinking about this today. 
And we have played, you know, the Raptors four times this year, but we've been without John Wall. It's a 2-2 tie series. But um, that Otto Porter, uh, um, who he's going to defend, is really important for this game, this series. And I'm kind of thinking you're correct. I think they're probably going to slide him over to Mar and let Bradley kind of just get go after OG in the corners or even keep him open at times. Um, because uh, Marson and uh, Jonas are pretty equal, and then I would say Markeith can switch pretty well. And so – It'll really be interesting to see the two positions of OG, seeing what, who's going to guard him, and then probably Kyle and John. I'd like to see that matchup um, because Kyle, even though he's having a good year and was an all-star, um, I'm wondering if John, since he does look like he's almost 100%, will expose him in the playoffs or if he mm-hmm. will, if or if they will kind of even each other out. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, um, I think it would also be interesting – with John Wall coming back and still working his way back, from, do you think there's any chance that they throw Bradley Beal on Kyle Lowry and let John Wall take OG Ananobi in the corner? I mean, John Wall's a big enough point guard. I don't think that OG really has a skill set to it. I did think that was true when John was coming back from his injury, but just the, the recent games he's shown us, I mean, I have two games in front of me. where He played the Cavaliers. He played 38 minutes uh, on April 5th. He had 28 points four rebounds, 14 assists, and three steals. And then against the Celtics two days ago, he played 36 minutes, 29 points, and three steals, three blocks, and 12 assists, and seven rebounds. So I, when I saw those two games, I was like, okay, he, he's closer to 100% mm-hmm. than I thought he was. So I'm kind of thinking that they will probably end up being a little uh, easy on him the first two games, or at least Scott Brooks will, because that's what he tends to do since he sat him out two of the past four games. So you're probably right where he will kind of throw him off to the corner. But I'm thinking uh, they're either going to do that or just fire right away and just John Wall be all on top of Kyle Lowry because I'm trying to see who Scott will think that is the wink link on that roster if OG just sits in the corner. And if it comes down to parts of the game, I wouldn't be surprised if they take guarding OG, or at least I would think that was that I would explore if I was Scott Brooks where, you know, John Wall's been out there for a while, let him go ahead and, call your match to guard OG and get his breaks in on the defensive end of the floor there um, and kind yeah, of rotate yeah. that ability. Kind of how you rotate guys onto LeBron to wear him out. I think it's the opposite. You can rotate guys on OG, keep them rested. Right. I completely agree. And um, I think that both Toronto and Washington have shown good signs down the stretch of being able to switch. Um, and one thing I am mean, interested in seeing is something that Washington's been trying all season uh, here and there is our small ball lineups of, um, well, when Wall was healthy at least. We tried a little bit with Wall, Beal, Sadaransky, Porter, and Morris as our five. Okay. And I'm, I'm interested to see, because I know Toronto doesn't like throwing too many big men out there. Like, I see you guys put, putting Jonas out there for only 18, 20 minutes a game sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, what do you guys usually do for your small ball line? Do you guys have a death lineup sort of like the Warriors do? No, we play a traditional center almost the entire game. Okay, so, switch them? Yeah, so we what Coach Casey's done, he's stuck almost. It's C.J. Miles enters the game a little bit early um, compared to the rest of the bench, but, I mean, they'll go lineups where it's five bench members out at the same time. He doesn't – Casey hasn't staggered minutes really at all this year. Um, it's been a lot of just the bench unit out there. Um, all five people, and that's actually the second most lineup played for the Raptors is all five bench players. So they'll go traditional um, centers with Jonas Valanciunas and Jakob Pertl almost the entire game, and sometimes they put in Lucas Nagera. Um, 
But, I mean, I don't expect him to play in the playoffs any unless there's foul trouble. Yeah, we don't really go small ball. At times, I would like to see us go small ball, and it will be to see if they try to do it to copy the Wizards. Because I know you guys have that lineup you talked about there. And then there's also kind of, it's less small ball, but just sub and Ubre for Morris and your starting five. Right, 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 right. And it gives us more of a stretch, too, because even though Morris is a great shooter, Oubre can uh, heat up at times and really surprise a lot of people, reminding me a little bit of uh, ex-Raptor Terrence Ross sometimes. But um, that, that was about that was a good point with Lucas, because I, I was about to say, the really the one thing that I think uh, separates or differentiates Toronto from most teams in the East or the West is the big men that you have with Jakoperto, Lucas, or Jonas, just you three seven-footers that you can switch in at almost any point and or even Pascal, um, to do something different each time. So that's going to be a big help for you guys in this series, because that's definitely something that we lack. Even though we have Iamihimi and um, Gortat, we still struggle with that. Our, our stretch four isn't really a big man. I mean, Marquise should really be playing the three. So It will be interesting to see kind of how they attack that and who wins a style battle of if the Raptors are able to keep the Wizards big, I think that plays to their advantage and kind of if they can help dictate and keep the big guys onto the court, I think that really helps Toronto, whereas the Wizards can put Kelly Oubre at the four and even play Marcus or even play Morris at the five for a little bit and do the switching style, I think that could kill Toronto. No, I mean that I mean that probably is what Scott Brooks is thinking, especially with the four game series that we've had this year. But I mean, it should be interesting to watch. I think the lineups are gonna be probably the key for just the whole series. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree. Um, as we kind of break down the Wizards here, and for our listeners who aren't as familiar with Washington and haven't got to see them play, um, I think everybody's pretty much set with Bradley Beal, John Wall. Um, but even out of quarter, I would say some people still aren't don't totally know about. And I think you could make a case that he was your most consistent player this year. And, I mean, when you look at his percentages, the efficiency he scores with, there's even a small case I think you can make that he's been the best player this year. I certainly don't think he's the most talented, but I think he's probably, there's a case to be made for him being the best wizard this season. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, even though I, I will give credit um, to Bradley Beal having his first 82-game season because that is a hard thing to do. Yeah, especially um, for him, a guy who's been kind of, I mean, he's been dinged up. Injury prone. Yeah. So. Yeah. For sure, yeah, and I and even though he has played those 82 games, and I will give him that credit, I, I do sort of agree with you here um, with Otto Porter because he has been the most consistent for us. Bradley sometimes can shut down in games where we really need him at the end of a game. He takes a he does that you know that isolation hero ball that you might even see. I don't know if you watched the Timberwolves game last night that we saw at Jimmy Butler, but yeah. it was kind of similar to that. Um, but yeah, Otto has played 77 games for us this year. You know, he's shooting uh, 60%. Um, from uh, you know efficiency, and he also has an 83% clip from free throw. I mean, he's a great three-point shooter too. He's one of the best in the league. I think he's top five. He's just sitting at 44%. So he really is a efficient, consistent player, and we don't really have to worry about him too much. He kind of is um, that perfect third guy to have in your team. It would be it would be interesting to see him in more of a second guy role. Um, and we did kind of see that with John Wall down, but it was just a little awkward for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see what, what the Wizards decide to do with him in this series. And a lot of guys are saying that uh, Kelly Oubre is the key for the Wizards this series, but I would disagree. I'd probably say I'm more on board with what you're saying. I'd probably say it's Otto Porter. If he can light it up and have a 20-point game uh, series and really defend the best player on the court, probably DeRozan, what you were saying earlier, that's probably the best opportunity for the Wizards to try to make this series close. 
I think that he's someone, like you said, that he kind of struggled when moving into the second role. That doesn't surprise me a lot. He's someone that I think is really good at the things that he does. He's a great defensive player. He shoots, like you said, he's great from three. He shoots well pretty much all around the court. He can score. Um, but I don't know how well his game translates to a larger volume. It's someone who's great in a certain habitat that doesn't necessarily have the game to expand. I think guys that you think of as like Clay Thompson in that role, where right. he's great in what he does, but you can't run an offense through Clay. At least I don't think. Right. No, I completely agree. I think Clay would probably be the ceiling for Otto in his career. And I also think that maybe even a guy for listeners to maybe. Uh, try to understand more of a third guy would probably be like Robert Covington for Philadelphia, just a more efficient version of Robert Covington. Um, Cause Rocco for Philadelphia is a really great defender and he's a great three point shooter and he's uh, you know, very efficient and gets to the line a lot. And that's kind of like what we have with Otto Porter, except Otto will guard the best player on the other team, you know? So that's the, that's a really tough thing to do. Almost like Kawhi with San Antonio, even though I'm not going to make that comparison, that's just pretty much the role we placed him in, but in the third role. So, He's in a good place, and I think it'll be interesting to see how Toronto defends him. I know you guys have the size, and I know uh, you have pretty big, um, pretty big guys at the four and five. Um, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, I do agree. It will be interesting. I'm sure. I'm. It's tough because with the Wizards, they run so great one through nowhere to kind of put guys. So Demar usually he kind of gets matchup of small full. There's really not that guy. I don't know if you want him on Otto Porto. Um, Otto Porter, or if you want him to just kind of try to stick with Bradley Beal, who's been known for his off-ball movement, that's a lot to ask of DeMar to guard Bradley Beal as well as bring focus on offense. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I'm, I'm kind of just at this point where I'm interested to see. I feel like Bradley and DeMar are going to, I don't want to, I guess I'll say cancel each other out in this series where they're both, I feel like, going to put up 25, 30-point games, and they might even go uh, at each other sometimes just offensively. Um and they might even give up a little bit on defense against each other because I'm thinking that might be a, a matchup we see after two or three games in this series. And I'm more interested to see how the Kyle Lowry, um, how Kyle Lowry does in this series because I know he's been criticized a lot through his um, career in the playoffs. Um, and John Wall obviously had a fantastic playoffs against Boston last year. For listeners who didn't know, he was averaging uh, over 30 in that series, so he he had a great series. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that matchup goes. It will be interesting to see. Kyle Lowry has played great this season, and mm-hmm. John Wall has not. But right, and Raptors fans will come back with the Kyle Lowry's banged up, and he played too much in previous seasons. There's no excuses now. If he gets outplayed by John Wall, who's coming back from and is banged up himself, then it's time where you really look at how well does Kyle's game through the playoffs, and I think it becomes less defensible if John Wall really eats him up. In the- right, and I mean, I think you guys, um, and I think. I'm assuming that Toronto is expecting a like a probably like a five game, six game series with Washington. Um, even though I don't think it's probably the easiest eight seed they could have had. Um, I was thinking they might, you know, obviously they probably wanted Boston. I'm assuming that's what your Twitter fans have been saying. Um, I know that's what most of the fans are saying um, up there, or at least for Washington. Sorry, um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not sure how I'm not sure how Kyle will look. Um, that's the, the most thing, most thing I'm interested about right now. I think as far as realistic, when you got between teams where it was the Wizards, Bucks, and I think it was pretty unanimous the Wizards were the one team that Raptors fans want to play the least. Right. And I think a lot of that is just because the strength of our team is the backcourt position, and I think that's the one team 
in the East even that can match up with the Raptors as far as backcourt talent for talent, blow for blow. And I think that provides a matchup. I personally didn't want to face the Bucs either, but I think a lot of people are less impartial. Right, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'd want to play Giannis either. But I mean, it just it, it kind of comes down to what you were saying before with the bench. You're really your key difference that you said earlier, which I agree to completely, is going to be the bench, the depth that Toronto has and that Washington, unfortunately, doesn't have. And that's why we're signing guys like Ty Lawson. So that's obviously the problem there. And I think that, like I said before, DeMar and uh, Bradley will probably cancel each other out. And uh, obviously, we're, you know, there's hope that Kyle does better than John coming off an injury, but they might even cancel each other out. And then you got Jonas and Marston who might do the same or any of the center goes against Gortat and It'll just be uh, – that's why I think my key for the game will probably be Otto Porter um, and then probably just trying to slow down DeRozan, just having his MVP season. Did you guys lose out for Ty Lawson? Did you have to settle on Ty Lawson because you lost a Kendrick Perkins sweepstakes to the Cavaliers? I'm thinking that might have been what happened. There was a group chat that we didn't know about, and <laughs> and they just ended up just getting a guy from China who hasn't played in the NBA for a couple of years. So that's The great, you know, the great bidding process – Exactly. It was similar to the Durant signing, but a little bit more impactful. Yes, exactly. I think our uh, our owner got a little nervous with all this depth that Toronto's showing. So, so his answer was Ty Lawson. Yep. I mean, it's, it is what it is at this point. I think we're going into this series just like I said when we started the conversation. Uh, DC's happy we're in the playoffs. Obviously, we've been. I mean, I think with Toronto, both of us in the past ten years, it'll be our fifth playoff run and. I think that we're just happy to be in the playoffs, but the eighth seed is um, what the NBA expected. Before the season started, we were projected to be the, the 15th best team in the NBA, and we're going to fall to the 16th best team in the NBA. So right at what projections said we were going to be, unfortunately. Um, so it was expected, but still a little saddening. And it's just D.C. sports. <laughs> well, it's, it's just disappointing to me. I think that when I look at the Wizards roster, I see a team that at least – I know they don't have the depth, but you look at the top four players. Right. I would say the top four would be a wall, Paul Gray. And right. Morris isn't a bad player, and it's just it's disappointing to see. Like there, To me, there's no reason that that team shouldn't be better than the Miami, a team that just doesn't have that kind of star player, at least at the top of the roster. Right. No, I agree. Then the only thing that really separates – I mean – Miami's a weird one. I mean, like, I know you guys had a tough game against them last night. It's pretty much Miami has, like, 10 guys who can go for 30 any night. Not 10, but, like, you know what I'm saying. It's, like, seven, seven yeah, guys. Yeah, well, they have a like... weird fit, but they have a bunch of guys who are, like, surprisingly scary. Where you're like, right. oh, that guy's good, or I really like his – they have a – how we talked about Mike Scott earlier, they have, like, 10 of those. So right, exactly. they have a bunch of guys that just run out there that you're like, oh, he's kind of got a weird Right, and they're, and they're all, like, uh, you know, hustle – on like crazy Grit, hustle yeah. players and gritty guys. That, you and suppose a hell of a coach, so that helps. So. Right, and they love their culture. And I watched that Heat Raptors game earlier in the season where DeRozan and Dragic got in at it at the end mm-hmm. of the game. So I mean, uh, I, I'm actually expecting one, one like at least some kind of like altercation in this series that we're about to have, just because I think Washington's a little fed up interiorly. So I think we might see something. I don't know if it'll be our own team against each <laughs> other. Uh, for people who are listening, I haven't watched Wizards game. It's just been a little awkward. Like you've seen guys on the bench not stand up for dunks or clap for teammates. And it's just been kind of awkward lately. So um, like you said, our top four might, we might just have to rely on and hopefully we can get through this series and make it a close one or, you know, even come out with a win. And um, if not, you know, it will be an interesting off season for us. I know we both kind of have untradeable contracts at the point guard position now, but it'll still be an interesting off season. <laughs> what would you put your chances at the wizards winning this series? <sighs> mm, I would say that, 
I would say we have a better chance than the opposite standings, which would be the Timberwolves and Rockets. I would say we have a better chance of beating you guys than the Timberwolves with the Rockets. And obviously that's not saying much, but I don't really have much to say for the series. I know it sounds like I'm disappointed. It was a rough morning seeing that Ty Lawson signing. Uh, so <laughs> we were coming off a, a rough loss to the Orlando Magic last night who played like six G League players. So I, I'd say this series goes um, – I would say we have probably about – a 55, 60% chance to take this series. 55, 60% chance to win? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I got to go above 50. I can't. As a, <laughs> as a, <laughs> I, I would get uh, too many messages. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Um, Kind of just as we zoom out on the Raptors, I guess, if they don't win this series, what changes do you think happen? Like you said, John Wall got a massive contract. It's, I believe that... Gortat has one more year left after this, correct? Correct. Okay. So do you expect one of those two to be moved, or do you expect a change in Scott Brooks as a coach? Or I think Scott will stay, ultimately. I just don't think there's a lot on the coaching market right now. I know some people would disagree, but I, I would agree there's a lot on the coaching market if you want to go down to the college or if you want to go around coaches that are brand new or even assistants in NBA, but NBA has a – bad tendency of just re-signing coaches over and over again which i'm sure you've seen yeah. so i think we end up keeping brooks just because he is somewhat a hot commodity um as for john wall like i said before he's pretty much an untradeable contract i mean we did see blake griffin get traded but i still think dc loves john wall it's just something that they got to work out interiorly in the locker room um but it was a good point you just made with uh marcin gortat because that's really what we're lacking is that big man rebounder. And even though Gortat's been great for us over the past uh, four or five years in the playoffs even, um, he is kind of getting up there in age, and we do need some kind of change. Um, I recently wrote a piece on um, a possible trade with the Spurs for Kawhi this summer, but that included Porter, so that isn't really included in this conversation. But, I mean, we were kind of hoping for something to that uh, extent, just like most teams. But we'll see what we do. I think if we ended up ultimately don't win this series, that there will definitely be a a change made, and I think it'll probably probably be Gortat. Right, that that makes sense to me. He's the one guy that he's movable. I I don't know what you get back for him and what kind of if you have to package a pick or I don't know Washington's picks at the we, top of my head. We have a uh, we've lo- yeah we've locked in the 15th pick for this 2018 NBA. Okay, draft. oh you have the 15th. Is it? It can't be yours, is it? Or yeah, I guess it would be. Yeah, yeah, it's it is 14 ours. Now. Okay, and you have your own pick, so that's good. I, maybe it's Gortat in a pick that leads out. Um, this is a nice draft. It's a little bit better at the top than it is kind of in that 15 range. But, I mean, perhaps Gortat in the 15th pick fetches you a center that's a little bit more kind of suited for your guys' play. Right, and I think the only – I do completely agree with you. I think the only problem is, which we've already heard from Brooks and uh, – just the front office in Washington is that they've had trouble with their first round picks recently. And for example, last year we traded our first round pick for um, uh, Bogdanovich, who's now playing for the Pacers. And that was obviously a mistake since he was a four month rental or not. I think it was a three month rental. Yeah. I didn't get that trade when it happened. I thought I at least assumed I was like, well, you know, you bring him back and then you start to your bench out with that. And then they don't want to bring him back for tax reasons, which I get. I get it's not my bill to foot, but it just seemed weird if you weren't going to bring him back at a number or you didn't have a number that you were going to bring him back at. What was the point of trading away your pick for a year that you clearly weren't going to make? I mean, they could have made some noise in the playoffs, but nothing significant. 
Right, exactly. And I think that's why, like, those quotes are kind of um, they're they're pointing to the direction of us not moving that pick. And I think it's mostly because they saw the acquisitions of Bam Adebayo and the thirteenth pick, or in the fourteenth pick, and then Donovan Mitchell, obviously, in the thirteenth with Utah. Uh, this past draft, even though that was a deeper draft than this one, I think that Washington's just a little bit hesitant to make a move with the pick. But I think that they're probably going to have to add uh, a small contract guy to Gortat if we don't win this series, and it'll probably probably be a guy like um, Morris or Sedaransky, unfortunately. So yeah, that and and that again builds away at a team or chips away at a team that already doesn't have a ton of depth. So right. that will be interesting. Do you think there's any chance that? And I realize that he's been effective, but just because he's your best asset, I would say in a trade piece, is there a chance that Kelly Oubre gets moved since you have a small forward ahead of him? And like I said, I think he's a really attractive asset to different teams. uh, Definitely. And I think, um, and this is kind of an interesting thought, but I think it'll really depend on what the Miami Heat do this summer with Justice Winslow. I think that Justice Winslow has been kind of comped to Kelly Oubre as of uh, recently because Winslow has been doing real well last night. I know he did pretty well last night against Toronto, at least. Um, But I think that's the comp. And if they end up paying him about 8 to 10 million, I think that's probably, uh, Oubre will probably get around 12 to 15 range. That's probably what to ask for. Yeah, he's a better player, I think, at this point than Winslow. and Certainly a better shot. For sure, yeah, no, I definitely agree, and I think that he's probably Washington's probably going to wait out to see what kind of contract he gets because I think obviously Ubre will ask for more on top of that, mm-hmm. um, and if he does, I think we might end up moving him because it's really tough to play Porter and Ubre when Ubre doesn't look like his body's going to come out to that strong three that Otto is, and Otto's kind of difficult playing that four, even though the NBA is moving to a smaller lineup anyways, it would just be an awkward lineup, and we wouldn't have much help off the bench either, so. Yeah, I think Ubre and Porter are our best assets that could be moved. Well, and I think you can you can probably get away with Porter at the four for stretches of games, but to, to start him at it, you know, that's really taxing on him, especially someone who's your third offensive option. So you're putting miles on him and guard the four, which is difficult. And then you also, I think if you do that, you want to have elite defensive center behind them. And I just don't think that, I think it will be tough to get him a real elite defensive center without moving Ubre. So it kind of, you know what I mean? It's like, you have no, to I mean, definitely off. something has to give. Right. Definitely. And I think that um, Ubre is that, you know, he is our greatest uh, piece right now. I mean, he's hot. He's a hot commodity. I mean, he's an easy move too. He can fit in pretty much any team in the league right now. So he is that position that guys are going out trying to draft right now. I mean, he has that body building six foot seven, you know, 200, 210 pounds. So he's, He's a good player that can switch between two, three, and sometimes four in a game when you're switching. So it's he, he's a good he's a good piece, and I think ultimately if this series doesn't go our way, then that that and Gortat will probably be. Yeah, I think an elite start of wings. The uh, Wizards have two guys who are really elite and really good, and I'm telling you, especially coming from Raptors fans, where we have in the small forward position. OG's been great as a rookie, but certainly not the strength of the team. We understand how important. Right. Exactly. And. I think, um, yeah, I mean, it also really depends on how he does in this series because, you know, most of the writers, um, you know, around the NBA right now are saying he's the key to the Wizards series. And uh, I probably wouldn't say that. I would put it more on Otto Porter and see if John Wall stays healthy. But there's, you know, them just saying that gives him a lot more trade value. So it does help at this point. Yeah. And sorry to get on a tangent there, but as we go back kind of to the series at large, you said that. You know, John Wall um, 
and Kyle Lowry is a matchup you wanted to see out of court. This guy you want to see. Is there any bench matchup the Wizards kind of have an advantage? Maybe, I guess, a glaring weakness. Where do you expect the bench matchup? What are you looking at? Well, it really depends on how Yamihimi does. Uh, obviously, he's going to want to have a great series in Toronto, but it, it really depends on how he does. And I, would, and I would have guessed or assumed before the season started that if we did play Toronto in the first round that he would have had a great series. But I didn't realize how um, great that Lucas um, and Yaka Pirtle were going to be playing this season, and also Pascal Siakam. And um, I really like Jonas. So you guys just have so many big men that that kind of just – uh, takes that out of the picture almost. So I, we're, we're going to be relying a lot on guys like uh, Mike Scott. I mean, it's kind of who we were talking about before, who we've already compared to James Johnson. And we might even bring Jody Meeks in there, who's kind of like our uh, mini Wayne Ellington type player from the Miami Heat. So Jody Meeks is kind of just our, our three-point shooting guard. And, um, yeah, we're just going to rely on a lot of those guys and Tom, Tomas to try to get us going. And um, just hopefully try to slow down some of your three-point shooters off the bench and guys like CJ Miles. Do you expect, uh, speaking of Jody Meeks, do you expect Jody Meeks to play a lot this series? Um, I mean, I guess that puts you at nine if he plays, eight if he doesn't in the rotation. Well, I guess, and yeah, I'm a him, me too. So um, do you expect Jody Meeks to get in? We really only put Jody in when we're really struggling against the, um, the other teams, our opponents, three-point shooting. When we're really, you know, it's down eight to ten, and we know the team we're playing is – really shooting, popping some threes up. We're going to put Jody in just in case because we don't really have um, a lot of three-point shooters off the bench. Kind of like how you are saying our top four are our main guys. That's really what we rely on, and those are our best three-point shooters. Um, so when Jody does go in, he do- hasn't supplied a lot, and he's definitely probably his last year, if not his second to last year in the NBA probably. So uh, it'll be a last for all for him, and I don't know if we're going to go with that eight-man or nine-man rotation yet. Um, you know, Skies came out and said so yet. So if we do stick with the eight-man, he won't. If we do go nine-man, he'll definitely come in. And I think that Ty Lawson sign is also um, significant because it kind of proves that we don't maybe trust that ninth man with Jody. So. Mm-hmm. And I guess it also is perhaps injured for Wall in case it were to happen, obviously, in and out of the lineup as of late. What about uh, Jan Nehemi? Do you expect him to get in, or would he be kind of just a in case of emergency? No, yeah, Jan Mami is going to have to have a um, big role off the bench for us. I definitely expect him to get in. I think that uh, Marston is going to have trouble switching between your obviously your three big men and also Serge Ibaka, who I haven't even brought up in the um, you know in this conversation. But Serge Ibaka is great. He's a great veteran. Um, he's great off the block. So uh, it's definitely going to be tough for Gortat to just take that game by himself. He only averages 30 minutes on the season, so Jan's definitely going to have to step up for this. Right, and. I guess how often then you expect if you expect the minutes to go, Gortat gets twenty five to thirty. Would you say Jan gets ten and then eight minutes are small ball minutes or how? I guess how would you divvy up the center position? I would say that well, Jan's been averaging about like fifteen minutes, uh, actually fourteen point nine. Yeah, so fifteen minutes a game. Okay. Um, and Gortat does sit around that twenty eight to thirty. So that's probably how we sit set it up. And then we usually have. Well, sometimes we'll have like that small ball lineup when I bring up for a couple minutes and maybe the third quarter just test out, see how we're doing to slow down the opponent going into the fourth. Right, and I wasn't sure the playoffs coming and Mahimi deficiencies becoming. I think in the playoffs, your weaknesses get brought out to light more than right. kind of in the regular season. A guy with a certain skill set that only does a couple things, I think, is able to get by. But when the playoffs come, I think it's where that one weakness kills you. 
Right. And, you know, for example, if we were playing like Cleveland, then we wouldn't, Jan wouldn't get those minutes, most likely. They don't have that. Spacing and. Right, exactly. Right. But unfortunately, Toronto presents us a difficulty where we can't match up any of our positions with your big men. So we have to either put Mike Scott at that four and Jan at that five. And that's really all we can do off the bench. And then obviously with Morris and Porter and uh, Gortat, the starting lineup. Sure. Um, I totally understand that. So can I get a prediction from you um, how this series will go out game by game? Sure, game by game. Oof. Okay, so well, we got our first game in Toronto this Saturday at 5.30. Um, ESPN will be a big one. I'm assuming that we're not going to get those first two Toronto games. I think we'll take one at home. So I think this first game coming up on Saturday you guys will take um, – not with ease. I think we'll see an overtime game in Toronto at one point. I'm going to assume that maybe a game two would be an overtime game. But I, I would think you guys will take the 2-0 uh, lead in the first two games. And then that third game in Washington, um, I would think that we would pull out the win just because those first two are going to be rough. Um, and uh, that fourth game is really going to turn, determine the series. Uh, we're obviously not pretty high on coming back from a 3-1 deficit. So that's going to be the, the determining factor for the series. If we can make it 2-2 in that game four, that would be uh, very big for us. Um, so let's just say we do. We do make it 2-2 in that series. We go back to Toronto in game five, and that's a tough one. You know, Drake's going to be out there talking crap to the guys, so it's just going to be, uh, you know, a, a tough game. And then um, and, and a game six back in Washington, you know, if it gets that far, uh, you know, hopefully we can pull it out. But, you know, we've shown in the past, this past year, um, for example, that we can go play teams and beat them in the first round and then go to Boston and get to a game six or game seven and, take it down the stretch. It really just depends on John Wall's health. And the past four games, we've seen that great game against Cleveland and a great game against Boston. So if he plays like that and he can average those 28, 30 points and 12 assists and three steals and three blocks like he did against Boston and Cleveland, then I think we can pull out to that game six or game seven and we'll get really close with Toronto. But if we if we can't take um, at least one of those games at home in game three or four, then it's not going to look too good. And I think the longer the series goes, the more of an advantage it is to Washington, which is weird because they're not the deeper team. But right. I just think the kind of the demons get into his head and you start to relive past failures like that. I think if you told me the series was over in five, I would say it's that the Raptors win. If you say that the series goes seven, then it becomes a toss-up. You know what I, you know what uh, I mean? No, I, I think I, the I longer totally the series agree. goes. I totally agree. It's kind of going off to our beginning point um, that – we lacked chemistry before John Wall was getting there about a week before. And then when he came back, we definitely lacked chemistry and there was obviously locker room problems. And so if we went to a game seven, it would definitely help our chemistry issues because we'd be playing down the stretch it would help us. So it's better if Toronto, it's better if you guys just go ahead and cancel the series out, you know, and make it a five game, four game series. Definitely. I, I agree. Um, and if it does get to those last three games where it's game five in Toronto and game six in Washington and game seven in Toronto, it's going to be a toss up. Like you said, yeah, I think, and I think things get really dicey. I'm not sure if you're aware. Toronto's lost their last nine first opening, which is right. got to be some kind of record. Um, and yeah. I really, like I said, I think these first two games, if Washington's able to steal one, you got a series really fast. Yeah, I mean, if they're able to steal, oh, man, I don't know, nine games is a lot. I don't know, that just seems like a bad omen. But if they're able to steal that first game, this series is, um, the conversation completely flips. And I think that's probably rare for a one seed and eight seed. I think the last time a one seed lost to an eight seed was 2011 with Chicago and uh, Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken, when Derrick Rose tore his ACL in the playoff series. 
But um, yeah, but I think that game that game one will definitely be if that can go to Washington, it'll definitely be flipped the whole conversation. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, I would be interested to see if if the Raptors do lose one of those opening games, what the Vegas odds would be, and if the Vegas odds, especially if it's game one, would actually flip to favor. Yeah, they, that's what I'm saying. Which is crazy. You just don't see that in one and eight games, which makes this actually really exciting. So, and it's an ESPN game. It's a 5:30 game, which isn't too late, so people will be able to see this. So, if it does go to Washington, the series completely turns around, and you're going to have NBA writers losing their mind over the next, you know, two days after that. Yeah, if the if the Timberwolves beat the Rockets, well, I guess the Rockets have their own history of playoff failures. Right. But I just don't think that you we'll see the panic that you see around Toronto if something like that happens. Well, yeah, and also it alludes back to the fact that this past summer, people, majority of, you know, NBA media and analytics and were saying that Toronto was going to blow it up. That's where people were leaning towards more. And if anything, Dwayne Casey, one of the reasons why he would get my vote for Coach of the Year is that he kept with his team, adapted to the current style of NBA, kind of took the ball off of Kyle Lowry a little bit to take the stress off him, and you guys got to your franchise record. 59-23, your best record you've ever had, and um, should be commended for that. But if something does happen and go wrong in this first round, then it's going to be dicey for Toronto in the future. Yeah, I'll admit I was someone who thought that, especially when he talked about there needs to be something to change. You can't keep coming back and doing the same thing. I thought, well, that's code. I mean, he's clearly going to blow it up here. And right. Yet, and yet he brought everybody back, which I thought was weird. But they, they were talking about, I guess, was blowing up the culture of how they play and the way they play, which has been remarkable. And I think, yeah, but Coach Casey, at least in the Coach of the Year conversation. Yeah, for sure. Um, regardless regardless of the series, really. I mean, he's really helped them a lot. I mean, honestly, I, would, I wouldn't really put um, a bad series on Coach Casey in this case. I, I, it depends how the players do, I guess. But um, if Kyle Lowry doesn't show up, like you said before, there's definitely a problem there. And a change probably has to be made if, if hopefully it could be made with that con- new contract. But... Um, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see. I'm, I'm really excited to see how this first game goes on Saturday. Me as well. I think that's as good a time as any to wrap it up. Uh, thank you, Trey. It was great talking to you. It's analysis. Uh, your Twitter name for everybody to follow. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. My, uh, my Twitter handle is at uh, Trey Flynn, NBA. And uh, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck to you Raptors fans out there. And uh, we're really excited. Yeah, thank you, Trey. All right, man. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.